2: Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new
1: voicemails.
2: Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Good evening, everybody. How are y'all doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. (laughs) I think these days I tend to be doing well. I hope you all are as well. And if you're not, that's okay, too. I want to remind everyone we got to be where we're at, feel what we feel. Mental health is about feeling all of our feelings, being where we are, not not shaming where we are and uh, accessing resources at the same time, though. So it's okay to both be where you are, but also try to step into maybe a higher level of functioning or process things and deal with them better. But I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, Strange times right now. It it seems like it's always something. Um, But, 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 but. We we push on, we push on. A lot of changes happen at the same time. I found myself in a conversation with someone over the weekend and I was saying, My God, <laughs> I was count I was recounting everything, uh, new variants, um even even the bottlenecking with the shipping, and I was just kind of sitting in one of those spaces where all I was focusing on is the doom and the gloom and it's very easy to, to do that these days. Uh, watching, you know, new, the newest school shooting, which is heartbreaking that there's always a newer one and watching the different trials, um, court cases. Uh, oh my gosh. But <laughs> my friend, and again, I tend to be really good at this myself, but my friend was really beautiful about both holding that space and acknowledging and validating. Yes, that is all happening. And your responses are are very valid and very real because even as a therapist myself, I I I need people to help uh, co-regulate me and I I sometimes need to borrow functioning. It's the beauty of having individuals in our lives. And my friend was also like, great, now let's also take a few moments and talk about the things that are going great in our lives and that we're feeling really thankful for. And it was not, as it can seem to some, an attempt to bring in some uh, positivity, toxic positivity by denying what's going on. It was actually just a really... Beautiful way of rounding it all out and saying, yes, yeah, sometimes things are very, very profoundly bad, and at times they're not. But in both of those times, when we're ready and when it makes sense for us, we can also kind of turn and look in a different direction and say, are we able to find, connect to, or carve out a little bit of joy as well? That doesn't mean we're ignoring or dishonoring what's going on. Um, sometimes we have to hold both. And I, I talk a lot about that on the show and in my, in my practice, holding both, holding very you know the tension of opposites, as Jung would say, but very much holding opposing ideas. And, and I very much think that that is a, a, an important skill in relationships. And I want to talk more about that. There's so many different terms. One of them that we use in uh, the attachment world, the world of attachment and, and relationality, we talk about mentalizing, and it's one of the three more important parts of being in any kind of relationship, but especially romantic ones with a primary attachment figure, which means you're in a romantic relationship with someone who you are both wired, you know, neurologically, and our nervous systems are wired, and you know, they are a primary figure for you. It's really important for us to be able to mentalize. And what that means is holding both, both our experience and how we interpret what happened, but also recognizing that our other might've had a very different experience. And that does matter to us. And we do stay curious and we don't assume our way is the way or the right way. In fact, no one's right. No one's wrong. And mentalizing means I wonder what they might have been thinking. It's holding space for that. I wonder what an alternative option or perspective is. I know that for me, them forgetting A, B, and C makes me feel not cared for, but I wonder what was going on for them or what it might mean for them is there an alternative idea that's very reasonable. So we maybe hold both that maybe they had a very hard day and it's possible that in in their hard day they were focused on other things and it actually had nothing to do with me and maybe they were being very absent minded and that I do know they love me and I shouldn't connect my worth to whether or not they remember to bring home, you know, gummy bears. Because sometimes it is really about, you know, gummy bears and how those delicious little things can symbolically represent our entire worth and whether or not someone loves us. And in fact, sometimes maybe they do. So it's not about talking yourself out of your position, but it's about being curious and holding space for the idea that someone has a mind of their own and an experience of their own and often they're living in their experience. So what does that all translate to? To saying what else could it have been about and taking the time. And this is actually a true act of care as well to say to them, hey. And notice, notice my languaging and my tone and my energy as I say this. This is what I'd want it to sound like. Hey, I noticed you forgot my gummy bears. <laughs> it sounds so funny to use that as my example. And um, yeah, you know what? It made me feel really uncared for. I wanted to just share that with you and see what, what happened, what that meant for you. And they might say, yeah, it was a very busy day. I had to get on the phone with my mom. I was running around and I forgot. I'm really sorry. And then I would say, oh, okay, that, that sounds good. That's reasonable. And you move on and you move forward. Mentalizing is recognizing someone else has an experience as well. And it's very much part of self-regulation is uh, also is calming ourselves down because when we really overattach to our version of what happened and only our feelings about what happened, it becomes a feedback loop and we just build up a bigger case and a bigger case. And what we really need to do is, as I'm always saying, name the feeling check in on it to right size it. They forgot gummy bears. Is that a three or is that a 15? That's eh, probably about a three or four. They forgot something. And then being curious and going to the other and saying, can we talk about what that meant for you and what that was, what, you know, why that occurred and being open to being corrected and to saying, got it. I accept that because if you can't be convinced In the necessary healthy ways by your partner, relationships aren't going to be good. We have to be with healthy people that we trust so as to be able to believe their version of things. We're going to talk more. Stick around and come back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q
0: and Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Temp check.
2: What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer?
1: All right, y'all. We are back. And uh, who knew that a story about gummy bears could has, have so much profound depth I was sharing before the break. An example, and we're talking about this capacity that's so important for us as relational beings on this planet. To uh, There's a few things we need to do, but one of them is what we call mentalizing. And it's basically the idea where we think about our thinking. And we also recognize that other people have their own experiences and both are valid. And that's a really hard thing, just that validity part, to When I'm doing couples therapy, it's really important for me to remind both people, everyone's pain is equally as valid. And people often force each other into someone was the perpetrator and one person was the victim. And it's like, well, wait a minute, hold on. In healthy, caring relationships that don't involve violence, because I'm never talking about violent relationships, whether it's emotional abuse, verbal abuse, or physical abuse, I'm not talking about those relationships. That's secondary. We should not be in them. The minute those things happen, the relationships put on pause or ended and we go get some help. Um, but for healthy relationships with the normal levels of disappointment, frustration, and conflict, we do want to be open to our partner's experience, and we want to be open to being influenced by it and accepting it. No one's pain is more valid than the others. Even if you were the person who was disturbed or upset first, your partner's experience always matters too. We have to be holding both, and that's very hard. We often want to only honor our pain and disappointment, and we want our partner to also honor that, but we both need to be honoring both, because everyone's mental health matters. And that's really hard. And I remember my early clinical training, I wasn't trained to see it that way, and I wish I had been, where when we're working with infidelity, that whoever was cheated on, only their pain matters, and the cheater has no worth, no right, isn't allowed to set boundaries, they're in the doghouse, that's not true. That's actually, that's actually called perpetrating from the victim stance, where you somehow as the victim think now that you can be a perpetrator and you can't. So we can both hold our partners again we're not talking about violence and all of that but we can hold our partners who have let us down and disappointed us because as i used in my earlier example they forgot gummy bears because they had a rough day. We can hold them accountable to not remembering their you know their deal that they made with us that they'd pick them up and also hold space for the fact that what was going on for them and what may maybe made them forget and we can allow them to convince us. We have to be flexible like that. It's part of mental health. There's so many different words for it. In my area of the field, we call it mentalizing, understanding other people's brains and thought process, holding ours loosely. In more Eastern psychological circles and DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, um, they'll use maybe words like being more mindful, and we'll, we'll also move into terms like being a little more flexible. And that's why I like the word curious. Don't dig your heels into, my feelings were hurt, so what you did was bad or wrong. No, adults are a little more loose and flexible. They'll say something like, there is no right or wrong, I would have preferred you to have remembered, it let me down that you forgot, but I'm gonna hold some space to understand what was going on for you and to buy into that. We want flexibility. Flexibility is a really important concept all the time. So start to practice that. the reason why this even came into my mind was not just because of the conversation I had, but I also wanted to, I wanted to spend a lot of the night talking about loneliness and talking about some of the things we can do when we're feeling lonely. But before we even get into that, I just wanted to kind of always frame out and remind us of what it is we're trying to work towards, right? Because sometimes loneliness is a result of, excuse me, being in relationships that aren't healthy or being in relationships that are ones of deprivation and we want to really always work on our side first. Clients come into my practice, and if you let them, they will run you through an itemized list of everything that's wrong with their partner or everything their partner's doing wrong and how their partner's, you know, responsible in what ways for the failure of the relationship or the struggles they're having. And it's the rare person, and this is an example of a higher level of mental health, and I say that non-shamingly, but as a way to inspire, the healthy person comes in saying, let me let you know what I've done that has let my partner down. Let me let you know what I've done. That's been my contribution to this relationship because it never matters who started it. Everyone's role is, is what they're accountable to. And I've said this uh, to clients before. So sometimes in individual therapy or even a couple's work, I'll say, I'm going to work with you first. I want your partner to lovingly witness this process to see your vulnerabilities, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, I'm literally editing out everything your partner did. And I'm looking at everything you did and you said, and I'm holding you accountable to that because it never matters what was just said or done. Your responses show your mental health and what kind of partner you're on, you are, but more importantly, they show us where your work is. So a healthy person at some point, hopefully starts coming into therapy saying, let me let you know what I was working on. Let me share with you where I let myself down. Let me also share with you where I was really proud of what I did and how I showed up. And we start there because they realize it's a feedback loop and it's a system. And if they start showing up differently or better, it inherently forces their partner to, because now they're in a relationship with someone healthier and better. And so we start there. Of course we pay attention away, you know what the partner's doing. I don't want anyone trapped in an abusive relationship of any kind where there's name calling or physicality or undealt with drug and alcohol stuff or mental health stuff. All of that's attended to, but a healthy person's really always tracking themselves and they're aware of what their work is. And so before we even talk about loneliness, I just want to acknowledge that, that sometimes we are keeping ourselves lonely because we are keeping ourselves out of relationship because we're not safe enough to maybe be in them or we're not healthy enough to be around healthy people. This might be hard to hear but healthy people want high level healthy people around them. Healthy people don't stay in social networks or social circles or in relationships with people that aren't able to bring their best, aren't able to be flexible, aren't aware of how they're impacting others and aware of it and working on it. They peace out. They they want high functioning people around them because healthy people realize we are as healthy as those around us because we influence each other. We reinforce and normalize healthy secure relational skills or the opposite. I can't tell you how many times I was in part of a conversation or hearing one where all the people around the individual were really supporting insecure relational strategies, which is not healthy, saying things that really weren't about anyone trying to be better or do their best. So we want to be healthy enough to be in relationships with healthy people. So I just have to kind of call that out because that's a piece and also asking yourself, where do I not let myself be dependent? Healthy relationships have dependence. I know we've pathologized that word, but interdependence is healthy. We wanna have borrowed functioning. We wanna have a partner that we can lean on when we're not able to function well, psychologically and emotionally. We wanna have someone that can help regulate us when we can, it's called co-regulation. So we wanna be aware of where we have fear around dependency because we do need to allow that. We're gonna take a little break. We'll come back, keep talking about this. So stick around. You'll Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back and uh, talking about loneliness, but we're actually inching our way closer to it. Um, we haven't d- dove headfirst in yet. We're just kind of looking at some of the uh, peripheral things that maybe keep us trapped in loneliness and it's hard to be very you know what do they say in in, in the 12 step program a uh, fearless moral inventory well in psychology we need to do that as well fearlessly and courageously look at how we show up in relationships because sometimes that's why we're lonely and yes we're going to get to what to do to cope with it but i want to just look at what you know what ways might we be creating it because we don't want to just cope with it if we're creating it we want to work on ourselves So what does that mean? Well, it means uh, one of the things I say, and I say it all the time, is when we leave a relationship romantically, healthy people look back at that relationship and they say, what am I proud of? What am I not proud of? What are the things I did that I wanna write down and remember to do again? Because that was me coming from my best. But also, what are the ways where I kind of abandoned and gave up on myself? What are the ways that I'm not proud of, You know how I showed up and how I dealt with this relationship? That shows me what's possible. And I want to be aware of not reenacting that because every relationship, if you're healthy and I know it's a very loaded word, you're better each time because you've learned from the last and you bring a better self each time, but you can't do that if you're not aware of what you're working on. And if you don't, can't tell me outright, here's a few things I'm working on, then you're not working on anything and you're just carrying the stuff forward and perpetuating, you know, perpetuating, um, damage to you and other people. And that's really the clear, simplest way to say it. So make sure you're doing the difficult work. That might be why you're lonely. I, 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 I see often people constantly having chronic relational issues with friends and others in their lives. And I see them doing the same thing in each person's, in each relationship they have with all these different people. Um, they don't work through or deal with conflict well, or they only think about themselves. What, whatever the issues may be, I see them reenacting it each time. And in isolation, their little storyline makes sense as to why they cut that friend out again, or you know, whatever it is, ended that relationship. But then when you pan out and you look wider, you're like, wow, you have a new best friend every other month. You have no long-term friends. You're, you're always getting in fights with your friends. You're always blocking and cutting people out. That's not a good sign, man because the common denominator is you. You keep doing some of those things. Ideally, we don't have a lot of those ongoing issues. People that have chronic relational problems where you're always getting into fights with friends and people you're dating and blocking people and all of that, that's not a good sign. Might be a sign that you need to do some deep work, time to get into some therapy or take a break and really put all these relationships on pause for a minute and work on healing. Like what are you doing that's constantly creating this or at least what are you doing that's not allowing these relationships to go smoothly? I want you to confront yourself. It is not a good sign if you're always fighting with your friends. I don't want that to be normal because it's not. I want, I want you to say this isn't a good thing. And we shouldn't be in relationships romantically with people where we're always fighting. I want to remind people that as well. Just because you want to be with someone doesn't mean you're healthy enough or doesn't mean you're compatible enough. Relationships take work, but not a lot of work. If it's taking a lot of work, you're trying to force something. One of you or both of you just aren't willing to do the work or to learn the lessons or neither one of you or, or one of you isn't willing to really tap into your better self. We don't date or form friendships so as to make our lives harder and more difficult. I think I say that almost every show. We want to take seriously the impact we're having on other people when they bring us into their life. I think I've said that literally every show. So we're gonna take a break and we're gonna get into DMs and then we're gonna come back and talk about ways to cope and deal with loneliness. But again, the reason why I'm talking about this on the front end is I don't want us to just accept it as though it just is and I just have to cope with it. Sometimes we have to look at, are we the ones that are creating that and we have to do work on ourselves? Because sometimes that is the case. And if you really wanna look at that, look at the different relationships you're in or you've been in. Are they always in turmoil? Are there lots of fights and conflict going on? Really, really, really explore that. Um, I think we should take an assessment of that. What are the three to five people who spend the most time around and really work out how healthy are we? What, what comes up when we're together? How do I feel before, during, and after? Remember that little framework? I still love that. How do I feel before I spend time with that person? How do I feel when I think of them? How do I feel when I see a text message come in from them or them you know, calling on my phone? That matters. But then so does how do I feel when I'm with them? How do I feel when we're texting? How do I feel when we're hanging out? How do I feel when I'm on a date with them? That matters. And so does after, because it's before, during, and after. After I've been on the phone or texting with or hanging out with, how do I feel? And the answer shouldn't be bad and always bad. The answer should be, "Eh, sometimes it's a little difficult. But generally, you should be saying to me, good, I'm excited when I see them calling. I feel great when I'm with them. And after I've been with them, I feel better, at least neutral, but better. And if not, is it the way I'm showing up and how I'm being? Or is it the people I'm choosing? That's your mental health right there. Because when we talk about things like resilience and being uh, at our most robust so as to deal with trauma or to get through trauma, it's about being in relationships. Resilience is relationships. If we have a lot of healthy people around us, that's how we are resilient. We can't be resilient or not to the levels we can when we're on our own versus when we have connections to others, we need people. We know that from trauma research that some people are actually prevented from having post-traumatic stress disorder or at least the severity is lessened when they had access to supports before, during, and after the event. That is where resilience comes in. It's not an inside job. Although, yes, it does, it does have to do with some of our internal resources, but a lot of it's about the people we're, we're, we're relating to or have around us. So sit with that. We're going to come back, do some DMs, and then we're going to come back and keep talking about how to cope with loneliness. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we are back and now it's time to slide into those DMs.
3: Sliding
1: into the DMs. All right, this one says, Hey, Dr. Chris, I feel like my parents cater more to my siblings than to me. And lately, it's been really getting to me. I was adopted, and I have always known that growing up. My parents were able to conceive a child when I was two years old. So it's been me and their biological son my entire life. They're great parents. My childhood was great, but as we get older, I can see favoritism. My parents bend over backwards for my brother to get him things, take him places, do things for him, and they aren't necessarily as concerned about me. I tried to explain my family dynamic to someone I'm dating, and even they pointed it out. It seems they do more for him than for me. I don't want to believe that it's about me being adopted. It kind of feels that way. Is there a way to bring it up without hurting their feelings? Oof, I like this question. I actually relate to it uh, pretty directly. I am not adopted. However, I am one of a few boys that were in my family. And one thing I've come to realize, and I want to make kind of a, a broader conversation about this on the show, is everyone has a different need. And I think it's really important that we just own that. I think we live in a culture where it's really hard for us to say things like everyone needs something different. Some people need more care. Some people people need more attention. Some people need more help uh, physically, financially, socially. I talk a lot on the show about equity, not equality. Equality is everyone gets the same thing. Well, that's not good. And that's actually not fair. And that's actually not how it should be. Everyone needs something different. When I worked at the inpatient drug and alcohol treatment center for seven years, clients would say, well, how come so-and-so got this? And how come so and so got that? And I'd say to them because that's what they needed. Everyone has a different, uh, well, everyone has different mental health. And even in school, some kids need more attention. Some kids need maybe extra support, extra exercises. Some people in school, college years as well, even at work. So this is for supervisors to hear and bosses and teachers and parents. Some kids maybe do need extensions because they have learning disabilities or they're they a single parent caring for a child or they come from a home with alcoholism. Everyone needs something different. So that's what we need to just own. Own it. Yeah. I'd want your parents to say that uh, one of your brothers, they might say he struggles with anxiety or he struggles financially, or struggles with mental health issues that aren't allowing him to be as gainfully employed as maybe you are. And so we do help him out more financially because it's about equity, not fairness. Everyone, it can't be fair is fair. If you get this, I get that. We all have different needs truly in the workplace, in school, at home. And that's very possible what it is that's going on. Maybe your siblings need things you don't, maybe you're higher functioning. Now, what's gonna be important for you is to is to realize that. And it's hard sometimes when we're the higher functioning person in a relationship, at school, in a family, because we can then try to compare, and I don't want you to compare. So that's really my answer, don't compare. If you're getting your needs met, then all is well. I don't want you to create a deficit that doesn't exist because maybe you see one of your siblings getting more of something. If your needs are met, case closed. Don't make it about well I just notice they get more so that means I want more and I'm going to make how much my family cares for me or loves me dependent or demonstrated through what they do don't don't do that don't do that. Don't turn them offering maybe more support in some form for a sibling who needs it more as a, a sign of having more love for that person versus for you. We want to be honest. Who are we? What do we need? Are our needs getting met? If they aren't, then you need to talk to your parents about that. But it's not about he's getting this and I'm not. It's about I need this or I don't. So again, I want you to sit down and assess what what's lacking in my life that maybe I think I would want from my parents. More attention, more support and then ask for that based on you feeling like it's lacking for you it has nothing to do with what anyone else is getting it's what you need and if you don't need anything and all your needs are met well then case close as i said i don't want you to make you know sometimes we'll do that uh someone we care about forgets our birthday or whatever it is and we make we wrap up all of, all of what they feel about us in this one thing. And that's a very unfair pressure, you know, to put on someone. So stop comparing, look at what might be lacking. And if you feel like your relationship with your parents needs to improve in some ways, lovingly, calmly sit down and say, Hey, based on what's going on in my life, I would love to hear from you more, or I'd love to feel like you're more present or I'd love for you to show up to, you know, whatever it is you're doing out in the world a little bit more. Maybe you need some financial support, but don't do it just because you see someone else getting something you don't have. That's what children do, right? We're being adults all right got a dm for us dropping the dms on our love line ig page questions topics things you want us to circle back to put it in there otherwise head on over to wearechannelq.com. all the past episodes are over there you can scroll down look for love line and click on it we'll be back so stick around you're listening to love line with dr chris on channel q and odyssey we'll be right back all right y'all we are back and we're talking about loneliness tonight i uh before the DMs, early in the show. Ah, if you missed it, don't worry. You go to channelq.com, scroll down, look for love line, click on it, and bam, we got all the post uh, past shows up there, so you can go back and re-listen. But we're really talking about, before we get into how do I deal with loneliness, looking at, well, why might you be lonely? Is it because of the kind of relationships you're forming, the way you're showing up? It's a feedback loop. It's a system. We're in there. So we were kind of talking about looking at that. But now we're going to kind of segue into well, what do you do if you're feeling lonely? If you realize it's not my personality, it's not the kind of relationships I'm having or how I'm moving through the world relationally. Because loneliness is part of life. And so is depression, so is anxiety, so is grief. Those aren't things to fix. Those are not things to cure. Even though I'll say that, people will be like, oh, I get it. They still basically say fix it, cure it. Those are things we go through and we carry with us. And as long as they are not making our lives completely not functional. We have to learn how to carry those with us. Loneliness is not something that we need to cure or fix. It's something we need to allow, it happens. But we're gonna talk about some ways to maybe get through it sooner, to make it a little softer, to not be afraid of it. We wanna have a mastery around these things because then we can better allow and sit in them when we know that we have tools. That's part of feeling confident really going into difficult emotion is knowing that there's ways up and out, that there's another side. These things aren't forever. Remember that, emotions are never forever. They feel that way but they always crash and subside. And for those where you don't feel that's the case because they're very ongoing and longstanding, you know, very chronic, uh, definitely get into some therapy. I always wanna kinda call that out. Okay, so, you know, when we look at the stats and the studies, it's a little bleak. I'm just gonna own that. Now we have tons of room for changing that. So that's the the silver lining. That's that positivity a lot of us need. Um, But the studies are bleak. (laughs) We gotta work on this stuff. Uh, we, we are, we are at the highest rate of singledom. We are at one of the higher rates of cheating and infidelity. We are also at one of the highest rates of loneliness and disconnection. It's chronic. It's, it's truly pandemic. If you want to talk about psychological, emotional things that become pandemic, um, that's one of them. It's not good. And, and, but we can fix those. And, you know, before we dig, dig even deeper, just to remind you, one of the ways we do that is by showing up for each other. Letting people know, hey, you're thought about, you're cared for. I think it's really important to text people saying, on my mind, I think it's important to connect to three people every day. I've thrown that figure out to y'all in some form, text messaging, DMing, phone calling, FaceTiming, spending time with, I don't even care, but please at least connect for, to three people every day for yourself and for others. People need to know that there are others there. Uh, take, take advantage of that. Um, so we're looking at different studies, um, but yes, uh, researchers in this one piece I'm looking at, They are claiming that we are experiencing, and I agree with this, a loneliness epidemic. Uh, So Kaiser, Kaiser's doing a lot of good research. I I like a lot of their studies, very robust. Uh, So props, Kaiser. Uh, This is out of 2018, so a couple years ago. They discovered that over 30% of Americans say they constantly feel alone. That's high. I don't know if that feels high to y'all, but it's too high, especially when we have access to technology where people are able to connect even when they're in more rural areas or due to mental health issues, disability, um, not having access you know, directly to the populations that really reflect back who they are and what's important to them, all, all the different reasons as to why we might feel disconnected. Technology should really be able to be somewhat of a thread that we can utilize to build community, to have our worth and value and desirability reflected back. I'm talking dating apps, I'm talking IG communities, Facebook pages, I really wish that those numbers were far lower. I wish that they had been reduced because of the advancements in technology. But, of course, because the way we use those technologies, it's made it worse. The horrific things I'm shown that are being said and done on these apps is quite disheartening, but that's a conversation for another time. Um, But that's too high, not only because that doesn't feel good, but those feelings of loneliness can lead to physical and psychological damage. You know, isolation is one of those toxic things psychologically for us. We wither and die. We need others around us to show us our self worth and self esteem because our self worth and self esteem isn't self, it's relational. People reflect back and tell us our worth and value, and that's important to be aware of. But also, being around other people really grounds us. Like I said, resilience is relationality. We function better when we have people by us and with us. Uh, but also, we need just that reality testing we will start to go psychotic if we're left on our own. We need reality, we need to bump into other people. We need to be put in check even if it's unconscious. Um, we need to encounter others. We need to have mirroring. There's, there's so much in that. I could spend an entire night just talking about the power of the presence of others for our nervous systems, for our neurology, for our blood pressure, our heart rate, all of them impacted profoundly by anyone that we have a really primary attached relationship with. And we have to take that very seriously. So it's a real bummer when I see these studies because this is not good. And then that isolation can push forward into anxiety disorders, um, depression, and even suicidality. Them, not good. Also, that can really, really spike people's problematic relationships with drugs and alcohol that others would call addiction. I don't use words like that. And the problem with people having really problematic you know, relationships with drugs and alcohol is that loneliness is the opposite. You know, the, you know, the opposite of having a problematic relationship or an addiction is having connection that's the opposite, not, not, not having use of mind-altering substances. We always do and we always will. We drink coffee, we eat sugar, we masturbate. People take steroids. People take psychopharmacological things. That's fine. It's not about getting away and off of all that and living purely. It's about just having access to better things. We got to take a little break. We're going to come back and keep talking about loneliness. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about loneliness. Lots of different things to look at, lots of different angles around this. Um, so psychologically detrimental, so physically detrimental, excuse me, loneliness can lead to, as you said, a host of problematic things. Uh, physically, yeah, inc- increased blood pressure, weakened immune systems, inflammation throughout the body. Um, But there are strategies. So let's start with what some of them are because I think it's really important to uh, be as solution-focused as possible. Again, earlier in the show, we were talking about just really looking at ourselves to make sure we're not the ones creating that due to personality issues, uh, not having a working model of what relationships should look like. A lot of bad behavior has been normalized. Um, What was the other point? Um, Oh, also because of maybe we have a fear of dependence. Yes, yes. We love independence toxically and we often think that that's what it should be. I'm on my own. I should be able to do this on my own. No, that's not true. And no, you shouldn't. You should be able to rely on others and have others and lean on others barred functioning. It helps us have access to it. But now we're going to talk about what are things we can do name it and validate it. I love that. If nothing else, just acknowledge it, known it. Why, why does that matter? Well, it gets rid of the shame. It allows us to connect with others. Um, you can say I'm feeling lonely. Don't be afraid of it. Be willing to acknowledge it. That's that's a step forward. That's a step out of it. I don't want people to ever have any shame or anxiety around whatever it is they're feeling mentally. That isn't that's not choice, that just happens. And it's okay to acknowledge and allow them. That doesn't mean we are less of a competent therapist or parent or you know supervisor. Uh, In fact, the opposite, I'm scared of anyone being my, you know, anything in my life if they're like, I'm never sad, I'm never anxious, I'm never lonely. It's like, are you a robot? Because I don't want robots around me. I want people that can really sit deeply in their emotional experience so that I can sit in mine with them and in theirs with them and that we can process. Remember, we walk away from experiences with people feeling very close and very safe when we've opened up vulnerably. When we're sitting there just talking about news, business, and weather, or whatever else, television shows we're watching, you don't walk away feeling very known or like you know them. You don't feel safe with them. It's when we share our vulnerable, transparent parts, which is also why when I work with couples that feel distant and disconnected, I check in on that. What kinds of things are you sharing and experiencing with each other? Are we keeping it very safe and topical and superficial? Are we dropping down into the dirty and dark, talking about these feelings? So name it. Validate it. This is how I feel. And it's okay that I feel that way. Even if it's just validation to yourself, don't shame feeling the way you're feeling. We have to get rid of that. If nothing else, it's okay to say I'm having a bad freaking day, or it's okay to say I've been ang- anxious all day. I've been trying to put a little more of that on my social media, but I've such an adversarial relationship right now with social media. Cause I think it's stupid. I think everything most of us are posting is stupid. I think we're promoting crappy things value wise and mental health wise. And like, I just want to delete it all. Some of you are sick of hearing me say that. Um, but here we are, Um, I love this one. Take stock of some of the connections you already have. Sometimes when we're feeling lonely, it's not that we don't have others around us, it's that we're just not putting time and energy into connecting to people. We might be aware of people we could spend time with or reach out to or connect with, but we just don't feel motivated to do so. And so it's not that there aren't people there, that we're not accessing it. Sometimes it's not that there aren't people there. It's just that we're not responding to invitations or following up. It's okay if that's where you're at, but it can be a little healing to recognize, well, maybe there are people and maybe there aren't. But for those that do have people around them that care, you do want to at least acknowledge that. So maybe think about who do I have access to? But also I think there's something really powerful in writing down and thinking about who have I missed having in my life? Who have I been thinking a lot about and maybe reforming and reconnecting or maybe going back and cleaning up and healing? We don't, you know what I mean? Like I, I want us to live in a world where we can always go back and apologize and take accountability or reconnect after long periods of time. So think about that. That's sometimes the best place to start is saying, I need to put the time and energy into maintaining and creating. Where should I start? With whom should I start? And kind of starting that way, but also looking at some of the people you are no longer friends with that you were or that you've lost and look at what might've been my role in that. Because in order for us to be safe, to be brought into people's lives again, or even at all, we have to be aware of like, again, what our work is relationally. So there's something powerful about looking backwards at what did I do to lose all these friends? Or what did I do to lose that friend? What is my work in cleaning that up or repairing that? Or what do I need to learn from that? So as to not keep, you know, perpetuating that. Um, And again, I love this one as well. Also sometimes it helps to just recognize that you're not alone, that over 30% of people feel lonely and I bet you it's higher than that. (laughs) This number is very old. Uh, And as a result of everything that's happened since these studies were done, I'm sure a lot more people are feeling that way. So it helps you realize that you're in it with others. I think there is something powerful about not trying to be normal, but in normalizing, meaning understanding the commonality in something and not feeling as though it means there's something wrong with you. We're not trying to be normal, but commonality and understanding the prevalence of something can make us feel like it isn't bad that it's happening, can work in both directions. Um, And again, that exploratory process of looking at how we came to be where we are, and also looking at what are you focusing your energy and presence on? Um, Sometimes we're overworking. I'm talking more and more about the detriment work can have on our psychology when we're accepting the lack of relationships and mental health because we think that's acceptable to put work first in that way and it's not your friends and family members should come before work and we're working very uh, powerfully fan trying to create that where you know companies are unionizing and Um, employees are asking for mental health care and mental health benefits and people are leaving jobs that aren't good for their mental health. We need more of that and you'll continue to see that and that'll help. But in the meantime, we want to really focus on what is it that's getting in the way of me having the time and energy to spend time with those that I care about and whatever it is, you got to work on shrinking up the space it's taking. Uh, Mental health will never be, I work a lot and it's okay. Mental health will never be, I'm putting all my time into this hobby or whatever these things are to the detriment of spending time with people that are important to me. Your mental health will never be aligned with that. They don't fit together like that. There's an entire chapter on it in my book, Rebel Love. Um, Check that out. Really talks about the work we need to do. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to finish up talking about loneliness and what are some of the things we can do to kind of uh, cope and get through. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. all right y'all we are back and we're uh finishing up our discussion on drum roll loneliness i know it's not a fun topic but it's an important one because it doesn't have to be or when it is we need to allow we need to normalize it we need to look at how is it that this has come to be for as long as it has is it something about me not understanding relationships or my personality issues um do i need to reach out reconnect do i need to redistribute where my time and energy is going because there's no space for friendships or the maintenance of relationships But then sometimes it's just part of the world, you know, in high numbers, but it's bad for us. We're working on naming it, acknowledging it and saying it's okay that I have it, Uh, but also paying attention to maybe who is around us that we should be connecting with, uh, not feeling alone in it. Um, There's something else that came up in some of the research. Get curious about it. Uh, It's going to look at different, it's going to look differently at different times in our lives. So it might, you might be like, what is going on? I'm not feeling great. Ah, I'm lonely. But how is it that I'm lonely if I'm spending time around all these people? Ah, that's right. I'm always tired, so I'm not able to be present. Or I'm not really showing up when I'm there because I'm very distracted. Or I'm not around the right people. I'm not around people that are really talking about and excited about the things that I am. And so I don't really feel safe here. I need that mirroring. So you want to really start to assess all those things. Get curious about why that might be. Do you have a fear of dependency? Do you have a fear of really letting go and connecting? Um, Because you also want to differentiate between chronic loneliness, which maybe it's time to get into some therapy, or just incidental, situational, where it's a result of something that's going on, and naturally that'll take care of itself, and I just need to kind of buckle down and hang in there because it's going to happen. And as I said, we live in a very independent, obsessed, uh, individualistic culture, and that makes and that creates this we're not we're not taking accountability for how we impact others um i also thought in looking at the researchers talking a lot about slowing down sometimes like i was kind of saying earlier we have too much on our plate our, t- our to-do lists are too long we have too many errands to run and that's not allowing us the time space and energy to reach out to someone to think about reaching out to someone uh, to make space for people in our lives so sometimes it's a scheduling problem you have to really kind of look at where your time and energy is going we kind of talked about that a little bit um Also, sometimes it just means you need some change. I think sometimes it's not that we're lonely, it's more that we're feeling kind of flat in our lives. And we need to say, am I living a life that's rooted in purpose and meaning? Am I doing the things that are meaningful to me? And that's also a way to meet some of the quote unquote right people. If you're out participating in the world in the places and spaces that are important to you, well, you have your best bet of meeting others that also enjoy those things, thereby being able to offer the mirroring you need, which means they're connecting to and celebrating the parts of you that are important. It's not going to feel good if we're around people where we don't have that commonality. I've bumped up against that in certain times of my life where I realize I'm spending time in circles where we don't have the same value systems or interests, so I'm feeling very lonely while I'm around these people. You know, let me go start spending more time in the right spaces. Um, You know, I'm a non-drinker, so it doesn't feel good for me to be participating with people that are always drinking and doing nightlife stuff. I don't value that. I don't enjoy that. So when I really stopped drinking, I had to really look at where do I belong? And thankfully, there's a lot of spaces, (laughs) but you have to find those. Um, I've also talked a lot about, you know, I'm vegan. I've been vegan since I was 19 or 20 and it's really important for me to have people around that also cook in those ways and live in the world in that way so that i also have that you know reflected back and mirrored as you're hearing we really need to see ourselves in other people and have that reflected back to feel of worth and value and to feel connected to um i love this perform anonymous acts of kindness something the 12 steps talk a lot about having a rough day in your feelings struggling with something go be of service it'll give you a little bit of reality check, distract you, pull you out of yourself. It's movement, you'll be around others most likely. Kind of helps you weather it. It also can just pull you out of it. It can also sometimes make you realize how stupid you were being. Because sometimes we're just getting hung up on something and we need to just really let it go and move on. Um, And that, that, you know, anything service-based, community work. Um, Here's two other points that I think are really valid. Are you showing up as your full honest self? Because that was something I had to look at in myself back in the day as well. I wasn't showing up as my full total self. And so I wasn't able to be connected with in the right ways because there wasn't a total full self to connect with. But I was also leaning away from people. So it was a little bit of self-confidence. It was a little bit of me not willing to be anxious and to like disrupt or frustrate by sharing what I really think or talking about what's really meaningful to me. So there's something in that. There's there's very much something in that. How much are you holding back? Because that will make us feel lonely if we're not speaking up or leaning in or contributing or participating, but yet we're spending time around people. That's not gonna help. Um, so really look at that. And then also finally, like I said, about spaces and places and people, join groups and clubs that are rooted in what you think would be meaningful and exciting for you. Um, because again, that's what we need. Stimulation sometimes. Having the right parts of us connected to and brought forward. Uh, that's where we can really work on, you know, stepping out. So I hope all that was helpful. If you missed some of that, you can check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. All the shows are there. You can binge, post, share, re listen. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Love Line IG page. Any questions you got, bam, put them in there. Topics you want covered or things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. Also happy to hear from you. Uh, but stick around. Like I said, coming up those DMs, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around.
2: Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
3: Got clock at four. Donchich. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at and t at tmobilecom slash across America.
2: Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and
0: expires in six months.
1: All right, y'all, we are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs.
3: Sliding into the DMs.
1: This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm struggling with a broken heart really, really bad. I have not dated or had sex in seven years after a really negative sexual experience. After COVID, I decided I really wanted to share my life with someone. I met a boy and I fell hard. We texted every day. He even flew out and we spent 10 days together. Beautiful. Trip was great. He was very boyfriendly. We cuddled, etc. After the trip, he completely changed. No calls, hardly responding to texts. No likes on my social media called him out asking what changed. He said he was most likely overexcited in the end and has a million competing interests. And he felt that all we had in common was sexual chemistry, nothing more. I felt blindsided. We never even had sex. felt like we had a lot in common. takes all my energy to leave him alone. I feel so stupid for hurting so bad. I feel like I'm going through a divorce, even though we're just getting to know each other. Is this normal? Sure. We can attach to people very quickly. And it, it isn't about whether or not it's normal. That, that isn't the correct question because who cares? What, that's, this is what's happening for you. So even if I said, no, that's not normal at all, what does that change? Just adds more shame. Don't go that route. Be where you are. You, you bought in, you were all in. You connected, you attached, you were vulnerable. And I will tell you to do it again. And if that doesn't go right, I'll tell you to do it yet again and again and again. Because when we want to most harden is when we have to soften. And part of dating and having sex and part of romance is seeing, is there more there than that? Seeing is there longevity. Seeing are we, are we compatible on multiple levels? And apparently this person felt very sexually compatible. So they wanted to cuddle and kiss and hold you. But upon exiting, they realized there might not be a lot more to us than that. And so they did the right thing. So I'm glad you're not angry at them. We can't get mad at someone for ending a relationship with us. Everyone has a right to do that. And in fact, should do that if they're no longer interested. That is what is supposed to be done. So the only answer is, bummer, but thank you. Thank you for telling me clearly. So I'm glad you were confident enough to say, hey, can I ask what's changed? I feel like the way we're relating is different. So that's a beautiful thing. That's appropriate. Always do that. And they told you the truth, and so I hope you said thank you for letting me know, I'm bummed out. But instead of making it a message about your worth or desirability in the world, keep, keep getting back out there. Let this be a sign that that is definitely what you wanted, as evidenced by how hard it was to lose it, and how important that was, and how much you enjoyed it. So get back out there, flirting, romancing, going on dates, courting people. Because apparently you decided that it's time, and I and I get that. Uh, I think a lot of us during COVID had a lot of loneliness and detachment, not a lot of joy, and in, in dating inherently should be bringing all that in, companionship, someone to go out in the world and do things with, someone to have a crush on, romance, and that's why I always say be excited. I, I'll hear people say that all the time, well, well, slow down, don't get too excited, you never know what's going to happen. Oh my God, no, get very excited, buy all the way in, be all the way in, and if you get let down, you'll deal with it but we don't wanna quiet down the gifts of dating and romance. It's supposed to be something to get us through the day and a smile about. So write their name on your notebook. Talk about them a lot if you like them. Look at their IG page, that's adorable. Don't don't be too cool for school in that way. Be all in. And if and when we realize it's not the right thing for you, you'll deal with it like you are now as an adult. You'll be like, I'm bummed out, but I'm still gonna keep being a part of this process. you got to get back up it's a numbers game it really really is because finding someone you're compatible with is a very multifaceted complex process and it takes time we have to have sex with them and we have to socialize with them and we have to test our vulnerability and how much intimacy they can handle and do we want the same things it it takes time so get back out there keep doing it and like i said stay soft when you want to harden don't let that be something that you decide is representative or gives you some kind of message as to what's to come dating isn't easy but we stay in the game because it's worth it and you enjoyed it and you saw the gifts of what it can provide. So so keep going, hang in there, you know? Um, but your question honestly was just, is this normal? Yes, this is very standard, but that doesn't really matter. Just because something isn't standard or normal doesn't mean it's bad, or wrong, or pathological or a disorder. In fact, quite the opposite at times. Um, but yes, you were all in and so very much it hurt when this person was pulled out. You know, you were counting on it. Um, you were looking forward to it. So get back out there, keep going. All right, y'all, that is our show. We've got a DM for us dropping the DMs on our Loveline IG page. DMs are always open. We'd love to hear from you. Drop your questions in there, topics you got, things you want us to circle back and cover deeper. And always, we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes. Scroll down, look for Loveline, click on it. Bam, there they all are. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Y'all be kind to yourselves and those around you. As always, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.